is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Learn more at southcities.church. Guys, you might say, hey, Gaius. Mm, I get it. Did you get that? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what's your order at Chipotle? <laughs> <laughs> I usually get a bowl with what kind chi- of bowl? with chicken and white rice. The al pastor or chicken or the regular? I like the al pastor. Is that and because I like you're both a beans. I like both beans. Are you a pastor and therefore you like the al pastor? Yes. Dave, what's your order? Yeah, I get a I get a bowl too. Both kinds of rice. Both kinds of beans, al pastor chicken, cheese, lettuce, salsa, corn, guac. Oh, yeah. I get two scoops of the corn. Sometimes sour cream. Sometimes not. So good. So undigestible. <laughs> oh Stacy, what's your order? <laughs> Stacy is just uncontrollably laughing in the background. <laughs> We lost Stacy, oh, guys. <clears throat> well, now I don't. I order a bowl typically, and I like the Al Pastor. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that it has like flavors of pineapple in it. Like you look up at the little picture, like it has pineapple, like charred pineapple. I don't think that's true, but it's still pretty good. I do brown rice because hashtag Mediterranean diet, mm. so called. Mm, amen. And then usually the pico, the greens. Is it sofrito? Is that how you say it? <laughs> Whatever. The green salsa. It's really good. And mm. then uh, usually my final line is I will take as much cheese as you can legally give me without upcharging. Mm. And they usually oblige. So, What's your order, Stacey? Mm-hmm. Chicken burrito bowl. Al pastor or regular? I have not tried that, the al pastor. It's good. It's a little spicier. Mm. Do you like it more? Yeah, I do. I think I like I'm it. I'm going to try just, that. I think it's more flavorful. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was that spicy. I just I thought it more was... more spicy. Yeah. Mm. But it's not super spicy. It's just, guac it, it guac is more or flavorful. no guac, guys? Huh? Right, guac or no guac? I like to get the guac on the side with chips. Yep. Mm. Same. Not directly on it, mm-hmm. on the side with chips. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just use my bowl as my chip dip. So I put guac in that. Same. Chipotle chips with the lime mm-hmm. juice, mm, really good. Sprinkled on it, and then the salt. Oh man, really good. I feel As like they say they yeah. hit different. Well, <laughs> in my household, growing up, oh. we would often do things like chips and like multi-layer chip dips and other things, much like that. So, as so we turn and we talk about households and canopies and everything else. Oh my. In this last half of the book we're reading by Andy Crouch, The Life We're Looking For, Andy presents a number of alternative perspectives on what he terms, what, what is he calling this, uh, what does he call it? Demonic industrial complex or whatever it is. Mammon. <laughs> 
That's what he calls it. And it's, <laughs> it's always capitalized too, calls, right? Yeah. So it's like an entity almost. He's yeah. giving it. Does it say like a culture of mammon or something like that? Something like that. A, Do you think we could get away with a worship song called Mammon? Sure. If it was like, on well, a Sunday morning. It was well done. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you work on that and we'll uh, come back to that by the end of this podcast. We'll send, okay. we'll send it to Andy. Could it be a, uh, a bit more of an angry worship song where we vow to tear down mammon? <laughs> sure. We need more anger in our worship songs. Oh, really? Yeah. A little bit, actually. Just a little okay. bit of anger. So uh, Andy talks about mammon. Did he talk about it in the first? Yeah, he talked about it in the first half. Like, uh, recap real fast. What is mammon for in Andy's definition of it? To me, it seems like it would be the highly technological, industrial, economically driven systems that that basically reduce image bearers into um, into resources. You know, basically, yeah. it, 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 it's it's a system that we live in that makes us live for ourselves and live for our pleasure and live for instantaneous gratification and live for status in such a way that people in relationships are no longer people in relationships. They're just transactions. Yeah. They're just trans it's transactional. Mm-hmm. That'd be a summary. Mm-hmm. Does he say that it's a merely human invention or is he say anything about its spiritual component? No, he says it's, there's a spiritual component too. The things that, you know, we're really after, the things that we think we're entitled to, um, and, which is tied to, like, the way that our culture operates, you know. Living in a democratic society that highly values individual rights and autonomy can just lead you to think that you're entitled and you have rights to things, which can transfer over to your, you know, your spiritual life. And he talks and lead about you not, away only, from sacrificing. not only in yeah. mm-hmm. democratic societies, but he also brings up China, communist China, yeah. presently as an example of mm. this being at work. And I think he uses the phrase something like um, puppet kings or puppet emperors, that the world is animated by this kind of spirit. Personally, I think there's another biblical phrase for what this is, but we'll perhaps get to that in a minute. A reflection, mm. Stacy, on the idea of mammon or where he goes in the second half of the book. Well, I think after we did the podcast last week, we were all hoping to, you know, anticipating where he was going to go in the second chapter of like, what do we do? How do we live faithfully, you know, in that, in this world that is um, where mammon is so pervasive and the controlling influences. Were you pleased with the direction he went? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Convincing. <laughs> yeah. Ask. Yeah. I mean, I think his basic point in the second half of the book is that people are important. The importance of relationships and community. Um, that those are things that are of obviously higher value than all the things that pertain to mammon. Um, and so he talks about different ways of getting back to that and treating each other as image bearers and um, humanizing other people, living in community. 
What is the solution to mammon, Dave? <laughs> what is what is his proposed solution? <clears throat> Don't mammon, mammoth. Um, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. Ma'am, <laughs> this is a book. This is a book without. This is a book with a particular solution for a particular problem. What is the solution he presents? I, I, I think what I would put together is that, you know, if you take the first part of his book where he's really trying to help you feel the reality that other people are made in the image of God, I think his proposed solution, um, and he more describes than just kind of lands, like here's yeah. how you do it. Right. And in chapter 10, um, he talks about these, these households of, of people. And I think, so I think his solution would be see people as made in the image of God and be willing to realize your own interdependence on others and take the risks that come with a relationship and the sacrifice that comes in, in relationships yep. with real people and rediscover what it means to actually be people serving and loving and caring for and being with other people, not just people serving and loving and aiming at their own ends and status and all that. Something some, that's kind of yeah, how he no, describes I think that's it. Right. It's what he's describing as, and I thought that, and I thought that was great. Yeah, I thought that was helpful. I, I can't remember if he goes here. He hints at it with a lot of words, which Dave seemed to really appreciate as we were discussing it right before this podcast came on. But kind of speaking in the direction of design, there's a design here for human flourishing, wrapped up in the concept of what Nick. What, I don't know what you're going for. <laughs> Starts with a H and ends with household. Oh, a household? Concept yeah. of a household? Yeah, yeah. What is the concept of a household in his mind? Basically, a group of people who are living in community and there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a permanence to it, like a commitment to it, and there, it's a relationships where it's, there's sacrifice that's involved. Yeah. You know, so you're actually caring for one another. You're sacrificing for other people's needs. You know, um, like getting up at three thirty. Yeah, morning. like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just the hypothetical that happened recently. Hypothetical for the sake of someone's uh, lack of car. Stacy, go ahead. The turning point in the book is um, a chapter called Intermission, but he talks about um, I think it was in Romans sixteen, right in the mm-hmm. list of greetings, mm-hmm. the people that were included in yeah all the Gaius that, that were in that Gaius yeah the Gaius. The guy is. No, the there was somebody Gaius's named Gaius. Yeah. Hey, Gaius. <laughs> Gaius. Anyways, Gaius. That, I know. There were people around oh, that table man. or in that household that maybe were servants or they could have been slaves. And yeah. so, um, you know, and then the, I don't know how you say it, Pater Familia. Pater Familia. Pater Familia. Um, the head of the household. There and you know Paul was there and um, that they were united around the table together. And I this is one thing I think that is maybe a weakness of the book is that I think he implied that the gospel is what drives this or this comes out of the gospel. But I don't think he really explicitly um, tied 
this is possible because of the gospel. We can have fellowship in this way. Hashtag union with Christ. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's implied um, that this was really born out of Jesus's death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. Um, This kind of community really came out of that. But so he's using that as an example of the kind of possible community that we have now with people. Yeah, I thought it was really in that chapter, his comment that Tertius and Quartus yep. are the the ordinal uh, way, the ordinal numbers of saying like third, fourth, mm-hmm. so like third born, fourth born. It's really interesting. If you've ever read the novel Ender's Game, where Ender, the protagonist, is a third. Um, My you know, buddy Parker just named his new son Ender. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. He really likes it. Yeah, game. so like <laughs> where like in particular societies after a certain number of children, either we're not going to be creative enough to actually name this person anything or like, hey, this is a third born slave. They don't deserve the dignity of having a name. And yet <gasps> in the church, as Paul is sitting there with the people that are around the table, Andy, uh, Crouch, uh, like talks about that they do have names and they are important. They are persons to kind of what he was saying earlier in the book. Mm. Any other reflections, things that stood out to you about uh, his portrayal of culture, solutions surrounding culture? I mean, I would just say, um, again, I think he, I think he describes realities. And I think that's, I think in one sense, it's really helpful because a lot of books just give concepts, but they don't get into details and descriptions. In another sense, I'd say that sometimes when you get into descriptions, it can be almost like prescriptions, you know, like it almost felt like he's talking about some utopia that we can get to. And I would just say, I think there's lots of, lots of ways to live it out. But in the end, it's, it's what we're getting at when we say, blood-bought family all the time and that we just, we want to be a place where we know each other and we see each other and we love each other and we care about each other and not because we have similar interests all over life or similar politics or, you know, like it, it's because we, we love Jesus and because we are, are a family in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And therefore, whether or not I've got people under my same household, you know, like under the same roof living together. I do want to have relationships that are so interconnected, not codependent, but interdependent in a way that I'm connected and need them and, and they need me. Um, so that I, I thought some of the examples he gave he, in chapter 10, he just listed a bunch of, you'll know you're a part of something like this, if this and this and this. And I think was just thankful as I read it, that there are, like there's people uh, that aren't just in my immediate family that like, yeah, that's just so true. And yep. we want, we want more and more of that here. Yeah. And what was interesting to me, I, I kept thinking like, because I always think this talk about the local church. Yep. Like it talks about a chain of love. Uh, I'm like, what better chain of love than the local church? I mean, honestly, these, these Gaius <sighs> that he wasn't, that he's referring to Gaius churches, Cortis, um, others are not just like several dudes around a table writing a letter. They're right. part of a local church. 
And that local church is the place where there's commitment and sacrifice built into the very nature and structure of it. Um, And at least the way that Paul portrays the local church, like it's thicker than blood in first Mm -hmm. Corinthians. Mm -hmm. It's uh, more significant than the human court system and other things like that. It's all the other potential ways that we could Mm -hmm. uh, make commitments or be held accountable Mm -hmm. for Paul. The local church is the highest because it is the place of promise. And in many ways, apparently the place of heaven on earth in Jesus's bodily absence, or you might say, it is the place of Jesus' bodily presence per like 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 mm-hmm. on the earth mm-hmm. or, uh, or uh, the end of Ephesians 1, other things. So if there was to be a part two, you know, I might call it the life we're looking for, parentheses. Part two. Is in the local church. <laughs> oh, okay. Close parentheses. <laughs> part two. Reclaiming relationship in your local church by Andy Crouch. With you guys. Something like that. I think, and I think, I mean, just to your point, I think that maybe, I'm not sure, I'm not sure who he was writing this for. You know, again, almost as I was even just thinking about it now, I'm like, maybe he was writing this so that I could talk crowd, so that I could give it to my my neighbor that Mm -hmm. doesn't know, you know, that maybe isn't going to read a heavy Mm -hmm. local church Christian book. Cause he does talk about that group being the way. And for me, as a, believer it almost took away from his arguments at time when he was trying to do all these word you know like it's not it's less family it's more household it's less and and what i kept thinking is yeah those are the same things that's what we want in the church that's what we want for believers um but maybe maybe the maybe a takeaway for this would be you know maybe this isn't a book for small groups to read <laughs> or community groups whatever we're going to call them here in the future but maybe it's a book for that uh, is what we're going to call them in the future. Community groups. Maybe this is a book for you to walk through with your neighbor. As we should a, call them household groups. <laughs> as a bridge, you know, as a bridge to get into conversations about the local church and invite them into experiencing that. So in that way, I think he does a good job. But I, I think we all thought, oh, I'm not sure those are really different things You as you di- differentiate. And I think a little m- more robust references would have been helpful too yeah. at times. So this Ephesians 2, 19 through 20, when I went to households, I was like, mm-hmm. that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. This is Paul talking to Gentiles who are not part of the covenant community prior to the new covenant. It says you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Now that's a metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. But it's getting at the very idea of what I think he is feeling around, feeling out in the book. That's where we'd say, I think the, the, the point of family is in the new Testament or of household. Anything else Mm -hmm. that anybody would add about the book? It's a good book. I think overall we recommend read it. Maybe go at it with like a concordance and a pen so you can write. I would say scripture in the in the margins. It's a good book to read with your neighbors or maybe some unbelieving friends who who mm-hmm. likely will be able to resonate with the the mammon <laughs> that they're experiencing. If you want a book 
we're, we're reading a book uh, in our community group right now that is going after a lot of the same things called Devoted to God's Church, which I think would be a, if you're looking to really go deeper into the ideas in the church context, that might be a, a similar resource for a community group setting, something like that. It's been a good book. Thanks for the recommendation, Stacey. <laughs>